Hi, I'm Laura, host of Expand, the podcast for coaches who crave more fulfillment in the work that they do, more meaningful results in the clients they serve, and more confidence to rebel against the traditional boxes our coaching industry has placed us in so we can expand into the bigness of what we're truly capable of. When you're ready, let's jump right in. This was a popular topic, y'all. I just like, off the top of my head, I was thinking, okay, what's something that people get hung up on that could completely change the entire trajectory of the work that they're doing with their clients? Like, damn, the first session is really critical. And we aren't being taught how to do this effectively in our certifications, right? We're given the same vanilla sort of intake forms that we all kind of regurgitate and somewhat make our own, but basically they're the same, right? From whatever certification you took, we've been provided that. But from there, we're kind of just thrown in, you know, we kind of just have to figure out our own flow, which causes us a lot of the time to get into these sessions and feel overwhelmed by how much we feel like we need to give them to get them going, right? We start teaching them why tracking is important or why macros is important and how to do this. And and we start to get information around what I need in order to put an exercise program together or whatever that is for you. It just feels flustery. You know what I mean? It feels like we're just jumping from thing to thing to thing, trying to cover all of our bases. Is this true for you? Yes. (laughs) Like, does this feel like how you're feeling in that first session. I know for me, it did for many, many years. And I mean, I get it. It kind of feels like when we get this client and they've said yes to working with us, they've paid us already. It feels like we really need to just rush some results in the first week or two with them in order for them to trust us, in order for them to say, okay, I'm in this for the long haul, right? I'm going to stick it out, even if progress slows, like I got amazing results right off the bat. So there's a lot of pressure we place on ourselves to get them everything they need in order to get that quick win or that quick loss on the scale or otherwise, you know, and the reason why this first session is actually so critical is because the way that we onboard people actually sets the tone for the rest of the relationship. Okay, so that's number one, the way we onboard them, the way we run that first session sets the tone for how the rest of the the relationship is going to go. Okay, the second one is that the energy behind the session really sets the expectations of the client, right? The energy we bring to that first session tells our client subconsciously if this is going to be a fast process or a slow process, if this is something that they're going to really have to be on their A game for or if they're allowed to make mistakes. They don't even realize this is happening. It's all just kind of going on in the background, okay? Also, how you run this first session is really going to tell your client how you want them to feel during that time with you, right? If we are in this first session and we feel rushed and we're talking about programs and macros and and foods and exercise plans and all of this stuff, how to access their check-in forms and how to access their folders and all of these things, feels like there's this pressure to get there faster. It feels like there's this pressure to be, you know, all or nothing, reactive instead of flexible, forced. Instant gratification is a word that comes to mind. You know what I mean? Versus setting the tone for the relationship to be calm and collaborative and curious and transparent and just really relaxed. 
You know, I think a lot of us crave that sort of relationship with our clients, but we unknowingly create the opposite simply because we're trying to layer in so much in that first session that actually shouldn't be there at all. So today we're gonna to talk about the mistakes that we're making in just a minute here. And I'm gonna give you my five steps to get out of these critical errors, I like to call them, and start running a more effective first session so that you can create that calm, grounded feeling with your clients. So when progress slows, they're not reactive, SOS text messaging you on a Sunday before their check-in or freaking out on their coaching call because the scale didn't drop. Like we can, we can bypass all of that simply by changing how we run this very first session with them, this very first coaching interaction. So some of the most common mistakes that I see coaches making, there's four of them. One, we jump, and to be clear, I used to make all of these as well, okay? I am not above this. This is something that I struggled with for many years. These are mistakes all of my students make initially. So the first one is jumping into problem solving and delivering the program too soon. Okay, this feels like what we should be doing, right? Logically, they paid us for a result, and in order to get the result, they need the program. But what we're missing, and I'm going to teach you today, is this huge little chunk between starting and actually delivering that tangible program that actually will make that program more effective. Okay, so we'll get to that in a minute. The second one is too much education, too little exploration. So have you ever got on that first coaching call and it feels like, okay, the consultation told you that they're all over the place. They don't have a clue about X, Y, and Z. This is critical for them to get results. So we fall instantly into teacher mode, fix it mode. Here's why protein's important. This is why we need to be drinking water. This is why sleep is important, blah, blah, blah. And we're just fire hosing them with all of this really valuable information. But by the time you're on step number five, they're still thinking about protein right? We've lost them. And then by the end of the call, they want to feel, they want us to feel like they've got it, right? Like they want to make us proud, truly. That's one of the core reasons why clients stop, which I'm going to talk about in two seconds here. But if we, if we fire hose them with all this information and they just say, yes, I get it. Okay. At the end of the call, but they're lost they're not going to see the result we need them to see, okay? So too much education, too little exploration, which we'll fix today. Um, we make assumptions about where they're actually at, right? A lot of us make assumptions without actually gaining clarity. So I'm gonna teach you today how to know when you're making assumptions and how to actually take a step back and get the clarity that you need. Namely, when we start to give our clients mindset work, right? Mindset work is starting to become mainstream in coaching right? We can all agree that the mind is a critical piece to creating success for our clients, how they think about food, how they think about themselves, how they perceive our plan, all of it, right? So, but we're not really taught how to do mindset work, right? We see a lot of strategies being circulated. There's basic certifications out there we can take that give you the stamp to say, yes, your mindset approved or whatever, but it's still very surface level, Whereas we need to understand more intimately where they're actually feeling triggered and what's going on for them so that we can speak to them about this in that very first session, which I'm going to talk about within the five steps today. Um, and then the last one is placing expectations and boundaries on them. Okay, we are all guilty of this. 
And usually we do this because we've been burned and clients take advantage of how giving we are, right? So when we place expectations and boundaries on our clients, this can look like, you know, I expect you to check in every Friday. If I don't get your check-in by X day on Friday, I won't look at it till the next week. I've seen coaches do that. Or, you know, I only reply to text messages between this hour and this hour, et cetera, right? Like we have these very clear guidelines around how the coaching relationship is going to work, which is fine by the way, but how we're presenting it to them is not. It's actually causing distance. It's causing separation. It's causing them to go, okay, yes, I get it, but also subconsciously retract back away from us, which is, which is creating this divide that we can't have if we want to actually create powerful change for them. So those are the four main mistakes I'm seeing in the first session. Do you guys relate to any of these slash all of them? Like I did all of these for many years. And I could never figure out why, why my client can stick to the program, right? Or why they push back and resist me or why they question my expertise or my authority or whatever. So frustrating. So these mistakes actually cause clients to feel like they're letting us down when they fail. That's one of the big reasons why they're a mistake. And that's one of the most common reasons a client will ghost you or stop working with you prematurely. Truly. Like it's crazy, you guys, how driven people are to make you feel proud of them. Okay. And when we cause this separation, when we, when we make assumptions, when we set external boundaries that feel restrictive, it causes them to feel like they need to prove themselves to us. And when they make mistakes, they often will ghost us because that's more comfortable than coming to us and saying, I overstepped a boundary. I didn't do what you said, et cetera. Okay. It also causes clients to feel overwhelmed and unclear about what they actually need to be taking action on. All right. Most reasons why clients don't do what they say they're going to do falls into this category. They tell you, yes, I understand, but they actually don't. They just don't want to say that to you. Okay, so on the first call, if we make them feel overwhelmed and unclear, that is setting the pace for the rest of the relationship. Okay, and the third thing that this causes is it makes our clients not feel totally seen and heard. This is the most common reason why they will unconsciously push back or resist us, why they will question us, okay, why they won't do what they say they're going to do. They don't feel heard. They don't feel seen. In their mind, they're going, okay, this is all great information, but I don't understand how this applies to me and my goals. I'm going to go along with it because I trust them and I just paid them all this money. But subconsciously, there's this divide there. Okay. Is this making sense so far? All right. Any comments about that yet? We're going to jump into step one here right away. So the mistakes we're making, there are big four one, four big ones rather in the worksheet. I have that spot at the top. Just make a little note, which ones resonated the most for you. Okay. It's really important that we recognize the mistakes that we are making, even if it's kind of like a shot to the gut, <laughs> like, oh damn, I did not realize I was doing that, but I totally am. That's okay. It's okay. This is about awareness more than anything else. And then I want you to really think about what that mistake could be creating in your clients. Think about the relationship that you have with your clients. Do clients sometimes ghost you? 
Do clients push back against the advice you're giving? Do they always do what they say they're going to do? Or do they sometimes not do what they say they're going to do? Right? Like what is going on with your clients? And now as we move into the five steps, maybe we might be able to create clarity for you around how adjusting your approach in that very first interaction could actually change those really turbulent pieces in the coaching relationship, just kind of smooth them out and create a more fluid process for you to follow and for your clients to follow. Okay. So here we go. The first step you see on your worksheet is using the consultation as a runway into the kickoff session or the first session or whatever it is you want to call it. So the mistake we make a lot of the time is we treat, we, we use the consultation as this like own separate little entity. And then we start the first session sort of from this blank slate. What I like to do is actually using the consultation as the runway into the kickoff session. Now, what do I mean by this? Ultimately, in the consultation, we should be asking more than just what are you eating? How stressed are you? What's your current lifestyle like? What are, what are your goals, right? These are all very vanilla, typical questions to ask in a consult, which is fine. Ask them that there's no problem with that. But we, what we also need to be asking about is the real reasons they want to change beyond just their physical goals. We need to be asking them about very common areas that they're feeling triggered in their life. And when I say triggered, what I really mean is where are they engaging in unhealthy behavior patterns that they would like to change? Okay. When we, when we do things that aren't good for us, we're usually doing them because something in our environment made us feel like we should. And the reason we feel like we should is because on the other side of that behavior, like eating ice cream at night after a stressful day or ordering pizza three nights a week because your kids are crazy and your husband has no help around the house, right? Things like that. It's because on the other side of that is perceived comfort, is perceived safety, okay? So where are they getting triggered in their life to eat the foods they don't wanna be eating or they wanna be eating, but they actually feel like it's getting in the way of reaching their goals, okay? What are the patterns we see in the way that they use food? This is crucial. And we're gonna talk about this in depth in steps two and three, but instead of just looking at, okay, what foods are you eating that we need to not be eating? <laughs> what actions are we taking that we need to not be taking? What are the patterns, the overarching behavioral patterns that we're seeing? Do they always reach for food when they're feeling stressed? Do they always reach for food when they're feeling overwhelmed or anxious or frustrated, right? What are the scenarios they're in that are causing them to want to cope with food? Who's around them? What's going on in their mind, right? We want to essentially on the consultation be painting a mind movie of their life. We want to understand where they're at intimately, not only does this set you apart from every other coach out there because no one is asking them about this stuff, I can promise you that, but now in the first session, you're actually armed with what you need in order to create a more predictable, effective plan for them outside of just here's your plan, here's your check-in forms, this is how things are going to work, follow this program, and let's check back in a week from now. Okay, so if you haven't grabbed the consultation revelation yet, the link is in the chat. Make sure you save a copy. I'm not going to go into all of the questions today because we'll be here for five hours if I do, but 
This is why I created that. All of the questions you need to be asking them before the consultation or before the first client session, whichever you choose to do, is in this document. Okay, it's going to help you peel the layers back so much deeper than you already are and get a much better understanding around where their patterns are and where we actually need to be focusing first. Okay, does this make sense? This is a big chunk of it. It's going to take some time to practice. You need to please be patient with yourself, be compassionate with yourself. This is a big shift. So read through that form. You all basically emailed. There's some of you that messaged me on Instagram to join this. Most of you emailed me back to join this workshop. If you have questions, email me and I promise I will help you. Okay. Okay. Amazing. Beautiful. So step two, step two is pre-framing the relationship and setting the energy for the relationship for how it's just a Miriam. It's just above what you just Really? Right here. I'll copy and paste it again. Okay, do you see it now? Okay, good. <laughs> That's weird. You must have joined after I posted it. Okay, beautiful. Sorry, guys. Okay, so step two is pre-framing the relationship and pre-framing the energy. So the very first thing you do in that very first client session call is not, here's the plan. Here's what we're going to work on. These are your goals. This is how we're going to fix it. Okay. Cause all that does is tell the client, I knew I was broken. I knew I need to get fixed. I need to follow this plan. If I don't follow the plan, I'm not going to be successful, blah, blah, blah. Okay. We have a rushed energy behind that approach. We're setting them up with this expectation that if I don't follow the plan, I'm going to fail. So then when they don't follow the plan, they ghost us. Like there's this whole psychological component to jumping right in with the plan and fixing them first. Before that even matters, we need to reestablish what this relationship is going to look like. So first, what I love to do is I like to set the intention behind the first couple of weeks. I really want my clients to feel like they can just settle into this process with me. I want them to feel like, I've got them no matter what happens, if they're progressing or not progressing, I'm here and that's my job is to hold them through that process and look at what's happening with them. There's no rush, there's no pressure, okay? I want them just to like have this new feeling around working with me. So what I'd like to do in that very first conversation is helping them to establish that what the roadmap is gonna look like. First, we're going to look at where you're being triggered and, and what's really causing you to reach for food in the ways that you told me on the consultation, you don't want to be reaching for food. Then we're going to start layering in some nutritional strategies to see what works and what doesn't initially. These first two weeks are really about setting a baseline for the rest of our working relationship together. We're not trying to chase a really big drop on the scale. We're not trying to chase a bunch of inches lost or nailing your macros for the first two weeks. That's not what this is about. This is about us better understanding what is going to work for us long-term and what is not going to work for us long-term. Okay. Just by pre-framing that, now you have permission to play with them. There's no stress around, did I nail their plan week one? And there's no stress around progressing or not week one. We need time to get to know our clients, you guys. Like they just started with us. 
we don't yet know fully where they're going to push back against us, where we're, they're going to feel triggered, what the entirety of their life really looks like. You know, if you did the consultation the way that I give you in, in the consultation revelation, you'll have a pretty good idea, but you can't find everything out about someone's life in a one hour consultation, right? So to avoid making assumptions, we want to give ourselves this kind of breathing room to really better understand our client, right? Because a lot of people, and I know you've experienced this, they're like, yes, I'm going to check in with you every two days. I'm going to send you a detailed check-in on Fridays. I'm going to follow the plan. I'm going to do all of these things. And then they don't do it. And it's like, okay, what did I miss? You missed this. You missed this pre-frame. You missed getting to know them. You missed areas of their life that they're struggling that they didn't feel were important enough to share with you on the consultation. So you want to create this space. So ultimately, also un understanding in this first, con uh, oh my gosh, sorry. <laughs> I want to say consultation, conversation. Um, what are they used to experiencing when they try and lose weight? This is not their first time, you guys. When was the last time you had a client start with you and they've never tried to lose weight before? Right? Like it doesn't happen anymore. Everyone has tried something. Everyone has had a coach. You are not their first time. So what are they used to experiencing? Right? Are you used to getting your plan right away? Are you used to hitting the gym in the first week? Are you used to tracking your macros? What are you used to doing? Because you have to understand what they're used to doing, what they've done before is their expectation of you. They don't necessarily want that to be the reality, but that's what their brain is linking up as the right way. So if we don't talk about it and then you don't give them what they're expecting, guess who's not happy, right? Your client is not happy, even if progress is good. If you're not giving them what they expect, they're not going to be satisfied. They're going to be needy clients. They're going to be upset clients, okay? So we have to understand what are you expecting and then help them to see, okay, so the last three times you tried to do this, you track your macros or the last three times you tried to do this, you hit the gym week one really hard. Why didn't that work for you? No problem, Sarah. I'll make sure I send it out after. Why didn't that work for you, right? What felt gross about that? What felt hard about that? We want them to understand in their own mind why that is not what they need before we tell them what it is they actually need, okay? Then you can help explore with them how your process is different, okay? You can say to them something like, okay, so in the past you did this, this, and this. The good news is that's not how I do things. That's why we're taking these first couple of weeks to take the pressure off and just really understand your behavioral patterns the way that you react emotionally to different situations, where you're feeling triggered, that sort of thing. Does that feel good for you, right? Does that feel exciting for you? Get them excited about that. Does it feel exciting to take the pressure off and know that it's okay if the scale doesn't drop this first week? You know what I mean? People just wanna feel safe. They wanna feel like you have a plan that's gonna get them where, where they wanna go and not just land them right back where they're currently at again at the end, okay? Expect struggle or um, expect that their struggles from the past will also be present with you. So you wanna to talk to them about where they fell off track before, 
Okay. We want to pre-frame struggle. Don't be afraid to talk about struggle. They're going to struggle, right? It's not just going to be smooth sailing. There's going to be moments where they're not following the plan, where they want to just ghost you. Talk about where they've struggled in the past and what that looks like. Okay. And then you simply need to say, hey, guess what? When that happens this time around, because it will, this is a conditioned pattern you have. This is how you deal with struggle. Here's what we're going to do. How does this feel for you, right? When you feel like you want to ghost me, what can we do to make sure that you don't? What can we do so that you can recognize that you're in a pattern and that's not actually going to help you, that you're not actually unsafe, that it's okay to come to me? What are we going to do, right? And then be collaborative about it. Help them to feel safe to come to you when they're not doing so hot and let them know struggle is going to happen. I think one of the big, if you take nothing else away from this, if you do nothing else that I'm teaching you, this is the biggest thing that can make the hugest difference in your retention with a client. Talking about struggle on the very first day, because it's going to happen. And most coaches pull them in and they're like, yeah, you're going to do this and you're going to progress and it's going to be great. And they don't ever talk about this because it's sucky to talk about. It doesn't feel comfortable for you or for them. And then when they struggle, it feels like they shouldn't be because the expectation wasn't pre-framed. Okay. So pre-frame struggle, let them know it's safe. Talk to them about what's going to happen when it, when it does happen for them and, and move forward from there. Does this make sense? Okay, good. Everybody, please do that step. It'll change everything. I promise you. Clients won't ghost you anymore. All you have to do is talk about struggle in the very first call. Okay. Is everybody clear on step two? That very first conversation with a new client, we're pre-framing the energy, we're slowing them down, we're creating this space, the first one to two weeks, we're setting the expectations around what this is actually going to look like, Right. And we're talking about struggle so that when it happens, they don't freak out. They come to you and you can work together through it. Okay. The third step is exploring the core patterns that you observed in the consultation. So now we're going to start talking about what we actually noticed when we were doing the consultation with them. What was the time frame from step one to step two? So step one was the consultation. Step two was the first call. So if they, on the consultation, they sign up. Step two is just whenever you book that first call. Okay. Steps two, three, four, and five all happen in the first call. Okay. No problem, Catherine. We'll talk to you soon. So step three, or where am I? Yeah, step three is exploring the core behavioral patterns observed in the consultation. Okay, so here's the difference between a pattern and a habit. Okay, you can think of a pattern like a habit, like a habit is something that they fall into repeatedly. It probably doesn't serve them. It's something that we want to change. We want to change their habits, right? That's kind of mainstream verbiage. I want you to shift this to thinking about them as patterns instead. The reason why is because our clients think of negative habits in a light that doesn't really allow them to easily access opportunities for change. They've, they've decided that they have these negative habits that control them. That's kind of how diet culture makes it seem, 
right? Like we have these negative habits and we have to try and fix them and control them in order to get where we want to go, which is on some level true. But if we reframe this to what are your patterns? Now we're looking more globally at how they're reacting to various triggers in their life. The core purpose of the consultation is to figure out like the one to two big areas of opportunity for us to create changes in their behavioral patterns. So for example, let's just say um, Becky gets overwhelmed and anxious. Uh, Becky's who I always use as an example. I hope there's no Becky's here. Um, Becky gets overwhelmed and anxious really easily, right? This is common. Her job is stressful. When she comes home from work, her husband's no help. Her kids are crazy. There's Legos all over the floor. She gets overwhelmed at night and she eats cereal for dinner, right? Because it's easy. And it's like, gives her that little bit of a dopamine hit. It's a little bit sugary, but then she stays up late because it's her only time alone. And she gets really hungry and she reaches for snacks. How typical is this scenario, right? We probably all had clients who fall into this pattern, especially in the evening, reach for something quick and sugary and delicious because that feels rewarding after a hard day didn't last because there's no protein in there. There's no satiety, there's no fibers. So then they're hungry and they're reaching for the crackers and the cookies and the ice cream and whatever, right? We know that Becky should be eating protein at dinner to help with her satiety, right? If we look at this on the surface, it's like, okay, we, we can't be eating cereal for dinner. We need to be eating protein and veggies so that you stay full, right? That makes logical sense, but that doesn't change the real reason she's reaching for cereal in the first place. Do you catch what I'm throwing down? Right? Like she's, her life hasn't changed. There's still chaos all around her. She's still being triggered constantly, but now you've given her this plan to say, Becky, do you know what? Snacking at night is not helping with your weight loss. Let's try protein and veggies at dinner so that we can avoid snacking and get you to your goals. Cool. That will work until it's a week and a half in and Becky's still so overwhelmed. She doesn't have time to cook her protein and her veggies and she just reaches for her cereal again. Okay. So the pattern that we need to see here is not the fact that Becky's eating snacks at night. The pattern we need to see here is that Becky is triggered by anxiety and overwhelm relative to people in her life. And she's perceiving a lack of control in those scenarios causing her to reach for easily accessible foods that make her feel in control. Okay, I'm gonna let that sink in for a second, right? It's not the snacking, it's what's triggering her to want to snack, to want to reach for quick foods. So on the consultation, when you're talking to her about why she's feeling stuck and where she feels she needs to work on her life in order to get to the weight loss she's looking for. She's gonna tell you, well, I'm snacking at night and I eat cereal for dinner and I know that's really bad. What I need you to do is go, okay, why are you eating cereal for dinner? What is it emotionally that's causing you to reach for cereal for dinner? What happened in the hours leading up to that moment that's causing you to wanna to reach for cereal for dinner, right? We need to take a few steps back and look at the global pattern because guess what? Anxiety and overwhelm and feeling out of control in her life isn't just happening at dinner. It's also happening on the weekend. It's also happening at work when someone brings in donuts unexpectedly and she doesn't feel like she has self-control to not have a donut, right? This pattern is pervasive in lots of different areas of her life. 
And if you can identify the core pattern, we can start to ask her about that. Becky, is there any other areas of your life where you feel anxious, where you feel out of control, where you feel like you want to reach for food just to get a few minutes to yourself? Okay, now we're uncovering a lot of different scenarios where if we tackle the pattern, we'll solve the eating habits immediately. Instead of focusing on each little eating habit, each little food that we need to mix and replace with protein and veggies. Okay, it's way more effective and feels freeing for Becky. It normalizes it for her, right? So we need to zoom out and look large scale. Okay, and the way that we do this is by simply asking, would it be okay with you if I shared with you what I'm seeing? And this is where you're gonna share with her that, you know what, Becky, I think stress and anxiety is a trigger for you. I think that when you feel out of control, you're reaching for foods that make you feel comfortable. Does that feel true for you? Okay, so you've, you've analyzed sort of her, her behavioral traits in the consultation. Use the consultation revelation to help with this. I promise you it will give you what you need. At this stage in the consultation, or in the first call rather, we're sharing with them what we saw on the consultation and asking them to clarify if this feels true for them, okay? Then we wanna ask them, how did you try to fix this in the past? How did you try to stop snacking in the past? How did you try to stop eating cereal for dinner in the past? How did that work for you, right? And if they've already told you that, repeat it back and just ask them, is there anything I'm missing? Do I have the full picture? Does this feel true for you, okay? Help them understand their core patterns. They don't know yet that this is a pattern, okay? They don't know yet that they're in a pattern in their life, that this is cyclical, that it's happening all the time subconsciously. We need to help them see this so that we have the opportunity to help them change it. We can't help them change something they don't even recognize as a problem, right? So we just have to ask them, like, would you agree that feeling stressed is most often the cause of choosing foods that don't serve you? Right? What are all the areas that this is happening in your life? Is this making sense? Okay. And then step four is getting buy-in to help them change this pattern. How would it feel for you if we started to make some changes, not only in the foods you're choosing, but also in the core patterns or your reactions to feeling triggered by anxiety, by overwhelm, by feeling out of control? Do you feel like that would have a big impact in your life? Do you feel like that would make a big impact in the way that you're navigating your food choices? Hypothetically, if you came home and you weren't overwhelmed, you weren't stressed, or you had tools to cope with that, do you think you would reach for cereal still if you came home and you were totally calm? Or do you think you would make a different choice, right? We're just sort of painting the picture. We're still playing at this point. We're still just presenting them with, here's what I'm seeing. Does this feel true for you? How have you handled this in the past? Do you feel like this is something that would be beneficial for us to look at? And then we can start to explore how to fix this with them. Okay, are you all still with me? Okay, step four is exploring the big domino with them. So what you just discovered is the big domino, that big behavioral pattern the way they're reacting to triggers in their life that's causing them to eat the foods that are keeping them from reaching their goals or do the, the things that are keeping them from reaching their goals. 
Okay, that's the big domino. So now that they've said, yes, I want to work on this with you, we explore it from all angles. Okay, we're just looking at this core pattern. And at this point, you're probably thinking like, okay, but what about protein? <laughs> so important. Okay, but what about exercise? It's so important. What about water? What about sleep? What about stress? What about all these things that I'm traditionally trained to focus on? I'm telling you, this is the most difficult thing a coach can learn how to do is to hold themselves back and just focus in on the biggest, most impactful piece of this process first, knowing and trusting that, yes, I'm going to talk about sleep eventually. I'm going to get there. But is fixing their sleep in this moment going to make a big momentum shift for them towards their goal? Absolutely not, right? We just found where she's most often getting triggered and when she's most often falling into disempowering patterns, we got to focus in on that. So silence the noise, make internal notes for yourself. Eventually, I want to talk about this. Eventually, I want to talk about that. So you can trust that you will come back to it, but settle into that moment, be fully present in that moment so you can just explore this one scenario, okay? Um, I would ask them things like, I think I gave you these questions in the worksheet, actually, just so you didn't have to copy them down. When is this pattern the most problematic for you? Right? When do you most often know or notice yourself reacting negatively to anxiety or feeling out of control? Is it through the day? Is it at night? Like, let's figure out a time of day. By figuring out a time of day, we can hone in on that time of day to focus first. Okay, so if it's always at night when she gets home, let's just focus on the evening for now. We don't have to talk about breakfast yet, right? We need to focus on the evening because that's the most important pivotal piece of her day that will have the biggest impact on her progress. Um, just asking for confirmation, like, do you agree if we learn how to navigate this, that a lot of your stress around food would just start to dissipate? Yes, likely, because we identify that this is the biggest triggering thing for her in her life, right? And then begin to explore a shift that needs to happen here, right? What are two, one to two things that they can do this week in order to shift away from the reactive pattern. So when they walk in the door and they're instantly hit with this fire hose of stress and overwhelm because there's toys everywhere and their husband's sitting on the couch playing video games and they're stressed from work because their boss is an asshole, right? Like they walk in the door and they're faced with this environment. What if we changed the environment? What if we had a conversation with our husband about making sure the toys are put away before she gets home? Like play your video games all you want, honey, but could you just please make sure the toys are put away before I get home because I feel triggered when I walk in the door. Can we change her kitchen environment, right? Okay, so you walk in, you feel overwhelmed and you walk straight to the kitchen for a bowl of cereal or a granola bar while you're fixing dinner for your kids. Um, how can we change that environment, right? Could we throw some fresh veggies in the fridge for you to munch on so that you can still eat, but you're not necessarily munching on a granola bar? Can we shift like where foods are in your kitchen so that you're not immediately reaching for the cereal, right? Can we just change the environment? That could just be one, like that's just one example. Something else she could do is meditate in her car for five minutes before walking in the door. Or when she walks in the door, instead of going straight to the kitchen and yelling at her husband, go upstairs, shut the door, take five to 10 minutes to, to yourself to ground yourself, visualize how the evening is going to go, right? Can we make eating something other than cereal more accessible for her, right? She's looking for something quick and satisfying. Can we 
get a meal prep service or do you know what I mean? Like get creative. What are one to two things that would help shift her out of her pattern? The one thing that I teach you how to do inside of trigger mapping is to create space around that moment. So getting her to pause in that moment that she feels that wave of overwhelm rush over her and just go, I'm overwhelmed right now. I'm choosing to look at it instead of to immediately react and push that away because it feels uncomfortable. I'm choosing to face it instead of numb it. Okay, so how can we lean into that? What do they need to let go of in order for those one to two action steps to be effective? They probably need to let go of the belief that they need to eat cereal because it's the only thing that is accessible to them. It's the only thing they want to eat at that time. They, they're lazy. They don't have time to cook. Like all of these thoughts and beliefs that are going to stop them from making a change. What do they need to be ready for? They need to be ready to feel something uncomfortable. They need to be ready to face the overall and the stress that they're feeling in that situation. They need to be ready to ask for help. They need to be ready to talk to their husband about how they need support, right? They need to be ready for some of these things. Ask them why this is gonna be meaningful for them, right? How is creating a shift here going to be meaningful towards your goals? We need them to be able to see this through their own eyes. We can't just be like, hey, Becky, if you do this, you're gonna reach your goals because you're not gonna to wanna to eat cereal anymore. Well, no, not necessarily right? Not immediately anyways. It's a step in the right direction, but how is leaning into this key moment going to get you where you want to go faster than if I was just to give you a meal plan and say, go. Okay. And what obstacles could come up? Definitely always, always talk about the obstacles. Okay, great. We have our two action steps this week. How do you feel about that? What are all the reasons you can anticipate you won't actually be able to stick to what we talked about today? What are we going to do about that? What's going to happen when you struggle? Circle back. Is this making sense? Okay, I know it's a lot. Good thing I wrote that worksheet out. I'm really grateful I did that now. Um, okay, step five. The last step is reinforcing new expectations. Okay, so we need to discuss checking in. We need to discuss communication, transparency, right? I would love if you checked in with me on Wednesday, just send me a quick text and let me know how this is going. If you don't hear from them, you reach out to them, right? I would love if you filled out this check-in form for me on Friday. Here's why it's important. Okay, this is what most people miss. We assume people understand that check-in forms are important. But when we just send people a check-in form, we don't attach meaning to it. They're just seeing, oh, this isn't for me. This is just for them. And people are inherently selfish. Hey, we all are. If we don't understand why something matters to us, we're not going to do it. Even if they paid us, even if they said they would do it, they're not going to do it. We need to make it meaningful for them. Help them understand why you need that information. Help them understand why this is going to be beneficial for them. Okay. Help them understand how you're going to be communicating with them. Right. This is, this is how you set expectations for the relationship without saying, I only answer my phone between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. I don't do check-ins on the weekends, blah, blah, blah. Right. We need to set expectations for them around why it's important for them to engage in these behaviors. So Becky, I'm going to text you on Wednesday if I don't hear from you, because I really want to understand how these first couple of days felt for you. So we have the opportunity to course correct. Remember, the first two weeks are about me better understanding you and what's going to work for you. 
This is just a baseline. We're going to adjust from here. We're not going to hit it out of the park the first go around. This is just our starting point, right? Communication is really important for us to make sure we have you on the right path, etc. So we're circling back and we're reminding them we're playing, we're figuring you out, we're understanding how your brain works, we're understanding your tendencies, we're understanding your behavioral pitfalls, your triggers, all of this stuff is gonna come together, but you gotta talk to me. We need to be transparent, okay? Reinforce the goal for the first week. And then we wanna talk about their fear of not progressing fast enough because naturally they want the progress week one. They expect it on some level. We've told them it's not going to happen, but they're like, uh, they're nodding along, but secret, they're like, yeah, but I want to lose two pounds. Right? So talk to them about this fear of not progressing fast enough. Before I let you go today, I know that you're probably worried you're not going to lose one to two pounds on the scale this week, because that's what you've experienced in previous sessions with other coaches or other plans. Is that true? Is that in the back of your mind? Are you worried about not progressing? Let's talk about this and then reinforce why this slower approach is actually going to take them further so much faster with time rather than giving them all this stuff that they're not going to do anyways, right? Um, and then just letting them know when they're going to hear from you, when you're going to hear from them, what the purpose of this is, et cetera, like I already said, okay? Does that make sense? Kind of a nice wrap up, but just reminding them why you're doing it this way, why this is better, right? Helping them understand their fears, helping them understand what to do when they struggle, what to expect as an outcome from this week, right? If things aren't feeling good, it's okay. Don't freak out. We're going to iterate. We're going to adjust. Just talk to me, be transparent, etc. Okay. Ultimately, you guys, establishing this new level of connection requires so much vulnerability on our part as well. It's very hard for us as coaches not to just give them everything you know that they need, not to just immediately fix the problems we see. We really have to be okay feeling uncomfortable so that our clients also feel safe to feel uncomfortable. Because if we just, if we just fall into our pattern of fixing and teaching and giving and, and layering all this shit on top of them, that's not really for them. Okay. Okay, Danny, we'll talk to you soon. That's not really for them. That's really for you. That really makes you feel good because they just paid you and it feels good to give them all of this stuff because that feels valuable because that's what you've been taught value is. That's what our industry conditions us to think of value as. How much can you do for them? How much can you give them for them? Give them and how fast can you get them results? That makes you a valuable coach. That is not what makes you a valuable coach. What makes the most valuable coaches are the coaches who can see more deeply into what their clients need than their clients can and are willing to hold themselves back in order to give their client what they actually need in that moment, which is usually a feeling, not an, a tangible thing. Your client in that first call is scared to death. They, this is sometimes their last attempt at losing weight, right? They need you to make them feel safe and seen and heard and understood. If you do that, they will trust you. They will adhere to what you give them. They will stay with you even in the absence of progress because they believe in the plan you have them on. They know and trust that when things aren't progressing, you're going to iterate, you're going to change. You're not just gonna leave them hanging and give them a new set of macros, okay? I mean, ultimately, we're also not really told what questions we should be asking, right? So please 
download the consultation revelation. Please give it a try. I promise it will be a game changer. If whenever, whenever possible, provide these questions to them before the consultation, if that's not possible, before the first session, okay? Either is fine. It's just better to use that consultation as a runway into the first session. Where is that link? Um, I'll post it again here for you. Um, yes, it's being recorded. Absolutely. I figured some of you would probably uh, not want. Okay, sorry. Why is it not letting me post this? So annoying. <laughs> I'm a tech idiot. Sorry, guys. I'll post it again in just a minute. Yeah, I'm recording it so you all can watch it back. I know there's a lot in here um, and I want you to be able to listen back to it a few times. There you go. What the hell? To everyone. There we go. Oh my God, Zoom idiot. Okay, I was trying to direct message someone who's no longer in the meeting. That's what was going on. You guys, embarrassing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, it's being recorded. I'm gonna, it just needs to upload and I will send everybody the replay immediately afterwards. So you can watch this back, take more notes, take it in, um, think of questions that you have, send them to me privately if, if you feel more comfortable. That's totally fine. Oh, Erica, thanks girl, I appreciate that. I get a little excited about stuff like this. <laughs> Talk really fast. Hopefully you can hear me okay. Um, Okay, this isn't what this session is about, but I do want you guys to, to know that I have a certification to help you with this sort of stuff. Okay, so what I do is I help coaches establish deeper connection and communication with their clients by understanding how their brain works and how to adjust the way we're approaching our programming, our sessions, our guidance with them so that we can cultivate adherence instead of resistance, so that we can feel grounded in our sessions instead of reactionary and rushed all of the time for that result, right? Just to try and keep them happy, keep them with us for long enough to get them where they wanna go. So if this is something that you wanna explore further with me, um, you can absolutely check out more details, okay? I'm not gonna go into details now because that is not why we're here, but I know there's a lot of you who've asked me, you know, what is trigger mapping who are on this call. So that's where you can go to find out more information. Okay. And if you're interested, just hit me up and we can talk more about what that would look like for you. Um, so since all of you are here live, I'm also doing something new. This is the first time I'm doing this, but I wanted to offer you an audit of one of your coaching sessions. So I do this with a lot of my one-to-one -one students where I'll have you record a coaching session. I will listen to you actually coaching a client in real time, and I'll provide you feedback on ways that you could handle different turbulent moments within the session a little bit more effectively, questions you could have asked, directions you could have taken them, just to expand your skill set in a really tangible way. Okay, so here's what I'd like to do. This is kind of like what I came up with. I'm going to think of a number. I'm going to write a number down between one and 500. And I want all of you who are still with me to in the chat box, 
guess a number and the person who guesses the number closest to my number will win the audit. And then I'll just connect with you privately and, and we can set up the specifics of getting me that call recording and how the audit will work. But if you wanna participate, go ahead now and drop a number in the chat box between one and 500, okay? I wrote my number down on this sticky note. Okay, is there anybody left that hasn't guessed yet? Give you a couple more minutes. Okay, has everybody guessed? 248, just let me scroll through them. Okay, my number was 188. Can you see? So 182, Erica Goldsheen is my winner. Where's Erica? Oh, there you are. Yay! Okay, love, I'll reach out to you after the session. I think I'll just, I think I have your email, right? You signed up through email. If not, just find me on, oh, lucky me, I never win. <laughs> well, it's your lucky day, girl. Go buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> Um, I'll see if I have your email. If not, I will find you on Instagram. We'll make it happen. Okay. Amazing. You guys, thank you so much for being here. I would love to open the floor to questions that you have. Okay. So I know we went through a ton. I know a lot of this can sometimes feel intangible, right? Like when we're trying to talk about triggers and behaviors and why people do the things that they do, there's not a roadmap. And that's why this isn't talked about often in our industry because there is no step one, step two, step three. We have to be willing to not always know exactly the questions to ask, exactly what to do with the answers that we're getting. And that willingness to not know is where the vulnerability comes in for us, right? It, it has that vulnerability on our part has to be there because if we aren't willing to not know, our clients don't feel safe to come to us with things that they don't know. It has to go both ways. It needs to be a relationship. They need to feel that from you in order to give back to you in that same way. Christiane Briner, do you have a question? I see like this is, I'm so Zoom illiterate. I see like a little hand on your screen. I feel like that's you raising your hand. <laughs> if that is just unmute and we can chat. Um, Renee Bartlett says, what is your note-taking technique typer write? Set questions or go with the flow based on your framework. I am a typer. Okay. So what I have is I have like a, a Google doc or a Google sheet that I use. And I type notes with my clients as I'm talking to them. They're usually a mess or a hot mess. And then I go through and I reorganize them right after to follow like my thought process and the things that I'm seeing. So when I'm talking to my clients, I'm not just writing what they're saying, I'm writing what I'm seeing. Okay, they're saying they're anxious, is there a pattern here? They're saying that they eat ice cream every night, is there a pattern here, explore this deeper. Like I'm making myself prompting notes so that when I go back into the next session, I can explore some of those areas more deeply with them. Okay, um, Christiane, you can go ahead and unmute love. I'm here, I'm sorry, I couldn't figure out for a minute. So um, I have a question about like, 
obviously there's a lot of people with like diagnosable depression and anxiety mm-hmm. and like, where is like our place for that? Like with a therapist and like, when is it like they're too sick? When is it that they should have us too? And we could be helpful with like using these kind of principles. Right. Right. That's a great question. Well, if they have diagnosed depression, if they're, if they're on medication and it's something that's being managed, we need to just make sure they have a team in place to help them manage that. That's not our role. You know that, right. But if it's diagnosed and they're not actively working with someone to manage it, we need to have a very transparent conversation with them. Like, what does this look like in your life? What do your ebbs and flows look like and feel like? right? How has this impacted what you've done in the past with other coaches? Have other coaches provided you advice on this, right? What you can do with someone who's struggling with depression is create normalcy for them around the ebbs and the flows, right? Transparency with you around high days and low days, okay? And then just helping them through the low days to feel okay being in a low day because what happens a lot of the time when people are struggling with depression is they fall into a low and they have this expectation that they should still be up here because they've paid you to do all of the things when really it feels impossible for them so then they have these competing expectations right so just by you normalizing what they're going through and saying hey listen like when you fall into a low I just want you to let me know what's going on And we will adjust our approach to make sure that we're still able to make progress that week, even though it's not going to look like our normal weeks, right? Or even coming up with a low day plan where, okay, when we're having a hard time, let's strip away these strategies and let's just focus on X, Y, and Z. And it's going to be different for every client, depending on how severe the depression is. But let's just focus on getting outside for five minutes just for some fresh air. Or let's just focus on eating one meal that day, right? It really comes down to communication with you as the coach and and recognizing that it's not your role to diagnose that, right? Highly suggesting that they get a team in place to help them work through that and explore what medication could look like for them, but not necessarily pushing them to, just creating a safe space for that to be their reality and know that that doesn't have to stop them from progressing. Does that make sense slash answer your question? Yeah, thank you. Okay, you're so welcome. Good question. I haven't got that question in a long time. Um, Good one, I love that question. Anybody else have a question for me? Or a comment or a client scenario that you can't figure out or anything like that. Okay, amazing. I know I don't usually have a lot of questions at the end because I just like give you so much to think about. It needs to integrate for a little bit. (laughs) People are like questions. I don't know. I'm still on step two, right? So I really hope that the worksheet helps you bring things together. I'm going to send the replay out so you can re-listen to everything we spoke about. Try the consultation revelation. You'll love it. I promise you, you will love it. You'll feel an instant shift on that first client session. You'll more easily sell people too, by the way. It's, it's crazy how quickly this works. And, um, and let me know if anybody has a first client session coming up, how these steps work for you. Recognize you don't have to nail them, okay? You don't have to blow them out of the park. You just have to start to tiptoe in this direction and you will refine your process with time. Holding yourself back 
being one of the most important things in that first session and not feeling obligated to provide a plan because the client expects it, rather opening up a dialogue around what's actually needed for that client and helping them to understand why that's meaningful for them. Okay, Does that makes sense. Okay, loves. Oh, how do you get buy in from your client into a slower no pressure start. Great question. So I like to talk to them about previous attempts at weight loss, because usually if they're feeling rushed, if they're like the instant gratification types, where they're like, okay, I need two pounds lost in this first week and a pound a week after that, right? Um, it's not their first time, right? They've done this before. They have expectations around how this is all going to work. They think they know you essentially, right? So we want to talk to them about their past experiences. Tell me about the last time you tried to lose weight. How did that feel? What happened? Okay, you lost two weeks that first week. Great. What happened in the weeks after that? We want to essentially show them that they wouldn't be here talking to us right now if what they did before worked without saying, hey, by the way, you're sitting here talking to me right now. So maybe let's try a different approach, right? We don't want to be like that. We just want to show them, okay, what you did didn't work before, right? Is it fair to say that? It got you, you're, you landed right back where you were when you started. So what might it look like for you if we slowed things down and we actually started to look at the reasons why you can't stick to something long-term? Do you think that might set you up for, for better long-term success? Do you think if we slowed the approach down and we started to look at the patterns we're seeing in your behaviors and how you're habitually reacting to the things going on in your life that are triggering you, that that might actually lead you into a place where you can lose the weight and keep it off forever? And if they say yes, then it's just an open conversation around, okay, would it be okay if we, with you if we explored what that would look like? And now we're just setting the expectation, we're setting the pace. Does that make sense, Caitlin? Okay, okay, awesome. Awesome, awesome. Gotta run, thanks so much. Love learning from you. Trigger mapping in May is happening. Woohoo, Hallie, we'll see you in there. We'll talk soon, babe, bye. Haha, I have a client who's diabetic and also been diagnosed with dissociative eating disorder. She's been going for therapy and has been improving. Great. We've been working on improving habits one day at a time, but still there are times when she gets really fussy and then doesn't eat at all. Are any strategies to guide help them? Um, what do you mean when you say fussy? Where are you? You can unmute if you'd like. We can just chat about it. Or if you feel more comfortable typing, that's fine too. Times when she gets really fussy, like she gets fussy about the foods that she's eating, her progress. She's very picky. Okay, so what have you been doing with her to identify the foods that she's picky with? And like, why does that shift so quickly for her? If she's good for a while and then all of a sudden she doesn't like the food that she's eating, what's shifting for her? Um, where are you, Taha? Do you wanna just unmute and we can talk? She would make one meal and won't eat it because she doesn't like it. Is this an ongoing issue or is she, has she found meals that she does enjoy? Sorry, I have kids around, can't talk, no worries. No worries. <laughs> Most of my students are moms, so I get that. That's totally fine. Um, okay, so to me, it feels like, well, number one, does she not like it because she doesn't like the food or does she not like it because she, she's afraid of the feeling of being full? Because when we're dealing with eating disorders, 
a lot of the time, first off, like we need to make sure that they're being supported on that. That's not our role, but we have to understand that a lot of the time, it's not necessarily the food itself that they don't like. It's actually the act of eating or the feeling of being full afterwards that they're, they're avoiding. So they just say, well, I don't, I don't like it because it's easier than actually admitting what's really going on. So first things first is I would explore that like, okay, so what is it you don't like about that? Right. And if she can't really tell you, is it possible that you don't like the feeling of being full? Does that feel uncomfortable for you? She just likes the texture of the food sometimes and sometimes it too. So then you just have to find food she likes, dude. Right. Like we just have to be patient with her and understand that if like, again, going back to Becky, I mean, if all she likes is cereal right now, and that's the only thing she will eat and she will only eat one meal a day because she's healing herself from an eating disorder, then maybe cereal once a day is okay for now. And maybe we can take steps towards improving her nutritional quality with time, but understanding that she is trying to create, uh, she's trying to reach some sort of new normal, right? And she's willing and able to tiptoe into this relationship with you and she's trusting you. So helping her feel safe and seen and the fact that she doesn't like certain foods is a really important thing. Are you placing expectations on her perhaps to eat foods that don't align with how she enjoys eating, right? If we, if, if she is struggling to eat anything and we're telling her to eat chicken and, and rice or whatever, I'm not saying that's what you're doing, but if that's what we do and she doesn't like that, now she immediately feels like a failure because that's the only option she was given. And that's the only way she perceives that she can be successful is by eating these foods. So now the feeling of disliking something is amplified to mean a lot more than just not liking a food. It's now failure. It's now letting you down. It's now not this again. I can't, I'm back in this cycle, that sort of thing. So I would say explore different foods with her, even if through your lens, they're not optimal. Totally. Right. I think as coaches, we sometimes fall into this pattern of this is best for my client. So I need to make this happen rather than understanding through their eyes, what's really going on. Right. I see all the time coaches giving their clients a plan that through their eyes is best for them, not understanding that that's maybe not best for them right now. Right. We have to be willing to let perfection fall away and meet our clients where they're at and allow them to eat foods that maybe aren't perfect for them, but do empower them to take one little baby step towards where they want to go. And just making that whole process feel normal rather than having this cloud of like, I'm not doing enough over them because that just pushes them really quickly back into a disempowered pattern. So I would just look at that. And then feel free to, to email me after and let me know how that conversation went. And if you need suggestions based on the way the conversation goes, I'm happy to offer them. Okay, just reach out. I think we were chatting on Instagram, so you can message me there. Awesome. I picked that up a long time ago, so they enjoy the process. Food is huge. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's really important to understand that food is just food, right? It's just I mean, not to go too deep down this rabbit hole because I could talk about this all day, but you guys, you've been conditioned as well, right? We all have and have been through some sort of nutritional journey. You know what I mean? And we all created an idea of what people need to do in order to reach their goals based on how we reached our goal or based on the way we live our life. Okay. 
So we have to really understand that we are conditioned to see the world through that lens. We have to be willing to separate ourselves from our conditioning in order to meet our clients where they're actually at. I'd love to do that and get in touch with you regarding that on Instagram or email. Might be joining your certification soon. Amazing. I will be excited to welcome you in whenever that's uh, a good time for you. Yeah, reach out to me on Instagram and we can totally chat more about this client. I'm happy to. Love to, in fact. Nothing excites me more than a difficult client. <laughs> um, okay, amazing. Any other questions, you guys, or, or tricky client scenarios you'd like to chat through? Def, do it. You will love trigger mapping. Oh, Eli, thank you, love. Eli's one of my students. She's crushing it, too, by the way. Just crushing it. And Stephanie, new this week <laughs> with the sexy red hair. Thank you, Eli. All right, y'all, if you have no more questions or you just don't feel comfortable asking them here, that's totally fine. You all have my contact information. I put it on the top of the worksheet. So you can email me, you, my website is there. You can grab more workshops that I've done for free. Just go to my website. Um, my Instagram is there, everything is there, okay? So if you wanna get in touch with me, you can find me and ask me anything. I'm an open book. I'm happy and super excited to talk to you about any sort of client scenario. Just shoot me a message and I'll make sure you get the clarity that you need, okay? All right, my love, so good to see you. I'll talk to you really soon. Have a great Friday. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed what you heard and you want more, I'd love if you'd subscribe to my show wherever you get your podcasts. Good karma points for also leaving a review while you're at it. And lastly, if you're looking to dive even deeper, you'll find a ton of free workshops, mini trainings, and the details on my mentorship program, Trigger Mapping, over at laurapobrin.com. See you next time.